I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to The Beat with Jojo Doman. Powered by Husker Online. Nebraska linebacker JoJo Doman gives you an in-depth look at the Husker football program and beyond. The Beat is brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome here to the second edition of The Beat. Sean Callahan, as you heard, The Beat brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, your locally owned and operated insurance agency serving the heartland of Nebraska from Binkelman to Omaha and everywhere in between. All right, JoJo Doman. We had a different element to the show you brought out of the gates, and we came in and, and got it done before the show started. Who was the voice now recording the open for the beat? That's right. That's my boy, Johnny Raritan, on the spot. Uh, former teammate, current roommate, um, and I really just wanted to bring in an element to make the podcast more personal to me, and I think he, I think he knocked it out the park. John, it's good to have you in here, man. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me out here, guys. I'm happy to do it, and... Uh uh, good luck with your show. All right. Well, John will be our kind of, we'll have him on retainer. If we need to cut some more things, John's always available to, to kind of be our in-house announcer. That's right. All right. Well, JoJo, scrimmage time. You guys had the first big scrimmage of fall camp, and that was on Sunday. And you're off on Monday here. We're taping here on Monday today. Give us an idea. What was that like? I mean, was that kind of the physical turning point of camp? I'm guessing at the week's end, you'll have kind of the final big scrimmage before you really turn the page to Illinois. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time where uh, pads are popping for real, and they come out with the first depth chart after the first scrimmage. So it gives a lot of young guys an opportunity to get out there and make plays and really try to earn a spot on a depth chart. Yeah, we saw saw a little bit on Huskers.com. A number of former players were at the scrimmage as well. Do you notice those former players, like when you're at the scrimmage, and I don't know how many were there, 50, 100 former players on, on Sunday? I honestly didn't see any. I don't know if I was just too locked in or if I wasn't looking in the right places. And I saw Trev Alberts was present. Have you met Trev yet, the new AD? I have. He's he's awesome. I'm really excited for what he brings to the table. But yeah, back to the scrimmage. We saw some highlights on Huskers.com and Gabe Irvin, you know, and you gave Husker fans a little hint that this is the guy. And I know these were just a few clips, but I mean he was balling out, it looked like in that scrimmage on Sunday. Yeah. I'll tell you like this, he's elusive. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Um he wants it. He's got a will to win, and I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. Now, last week, another running back that the staff teased was Marquis Stepp. Um, and, you know, nobody really knew what to expect from the USC transfer. We saw him running over Notre Dame um, a couple years ago, and he's battled some injuries, didn't go through the spring. Has Marquise kind of made himself a factor this, this August, too? Yeah, he's definitely stepping on the scene. He's getting that, that toe healthy, and he's just bec- he's becoming more and more like himself again. Um, I think two practices ago – we were doing red zone and he got in the end zone, you know, uh, three or four times just coming downhill. He's, he's a really downhill back. Um, he's also elusive as well. So I'm really excited for him to get healthy and tote the rock for us. Have you tackled Jock Hesgiant on your own? And he's not 245 or 250, right? I mean, right. He's, he's actually huge and he, and he, he packs a punch. Um, I tried blocking him in the fall last year on a kickoff return drill where he's getting a full head of steam coming oh down my gosh me. and instead of catching him i tried to just pop him and i ended up getting popped myself so that dude that dude's huge i mean he, they list him at like 250 but he's got to be more than 250 i think he's sitting right at 250 but i've been seeing him lately he's got he's got spinach on his plate they they've been really trying to get him down um and it seems like he's bought into that so just to you know Help him be more elusive, gain some speed, um, take off some. So balance. when you're in that, like, it's a struggle to stay at 250 camp. Like, what does the Dave Ellis like diet team do to those type of guys? Are they just like green vegetables, fruits? Yeah, as you can imagine, they just tell them they make it so easy for them. Just like, yo, you need this, this, and this. Um, like, they give us team snacks afterwards, and they'll like accommodate them with a different snack, uh, less carbs and less calories, just because you know they got to cut down. 
Like what's your when you're on the training table and you have the green light, like what's the go to Jojo Doman meal when like when it's full I know right now you probably have a limited selection, but when it's like full like August September training table, like what are you going at right away? Man, well our Mexican bar is off the heasy. Like the the chips and queso with the steak and chicken is so good. But they we also have this burger bar where they like prepackage like 90% lean meat burgers with like also chicken breasts that I bring home just boxes of. And then you're able to like go over to the, this uh, sandwich bar and put pepper jack cheese on it, cheddar cheese, whatever you need, whatever you like. Uh, <laughs> I, I live over there. That's one thing, you know, when Dave Ellis came here, I feel like, I mean, the commitment to nutrition like tripled at that point. I mean, absolutely. Just the whole, I mean, that was, I'm not saying anything bad about people before, but they brought in like the best guy they could to fill that role. Yeah. Best of the best. He does his job. Incredible. He's, he's all gas, no breaks. Like everything he does has a, is for a specific reason. And he's great with the guys. I saw him at Costco once and I saw stuff in his cart. I wouldn't expect to see. And I said, wait a minute, you're the nutritionist. Like you can't be eating that at Nebraska. Right. And he was, I was giving him a hard time, but He's yeah, he's been around. I mean, he was back in back in the eighties and the nineties at Nebraska, left in the early two thousands. I mean, he talked to me, I did a story on him once and he, he said he was planning nutritional meals for LeBron James for the playoffs and the yep. Packers and then he, so yeah, it's just to have that kind of a resource on, on tap. So what's it look like now? You guys are nine in, sixteen to go, sixteen practices till champagne. I mean, that's that's almost hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, we only have this next week of fall camp, and I think we tailor it back, and then we're all focused on Illinois. But, I mean, this next week's just going to be more of what we're already doing, um, which is just competing against one another, sharpening each other, um, solidifying um, our pecking order, uh, so to speak. Um, guys fighting for spots and really just trying to prove themselves and allow, and making it easy on the coaches. You know, you don't want to you don't want to leave your spot up up for debate. Like you got to go take that thing. So you guys are off Sunday the 15th. That's your next day off. My guess is Saturday the, the 14th is going to be the, the, the big show, the final kind of 100-play fall camp scrimmage. That's right. And then Garth Brooks at night. Are you going to go? Probably not. You get the day off, but is, it, is Sunday a day off, or do you have to come in still on Sunday? We come in on Sundays, watch film, watch the tape. So we'll watch all the scrimmage tape today. Um, yeah. But there's no special access for Garth, right? I mean, if you want to go, you got to buy a ticket. I mean, there's no like student ID gets you in the door <laughs> type right. of deal. Right. I think that's how it works. And that will be interesting, though. I mean, have they have you started to see? I mean, I, I know I was in there on Friday and you could see stuff. They were already starting to get ready to build that stage up. Yeah, they have all that flooring there. So I think they were starting to lay the flooring right after the scrimmage yesterday. Are guys going to that deal? I'm sure some guys will find their way in there. I can have a few like in mind. Jurgens and Banks and yeah. Oh yeah, I, I funny Banks story. We were coming back from Colorado in March, and we pit stopped in Kearney to stay the night because my wife's from Kearney and checked in the Fairfield Marriott right off the interstate. There's Banks and Cherney and then Brit Brit is it Brit Banks? The they were all in the lobby, cowboy hats on. They were going to some country concert. That's right, full rodeo. Cherney, um, you know, he's fit right in for an Aussie, hasn't he? I mean, like, guys like him, it seems like, on the team. Yeah, man, I'm, I've just started to get to know him a little better. He's a great dude, uh, and he's very talented. So I really hope he can, he can contribute this year. Yeah, his story was interesting. He gets off the plane, gets here, has to quarantine for two weeks, and, like, the next day out he gets COVID. Then he gets out of protocol after that again, then gets hurt. I mean, it was, like, the, the most miserable start a guy could ever have in Nebraska. No kidding. Did he um, – so you've seen him kind of come on in that punter race? That's right, yeah. He, I mean, he's a big body, and he's, he's very talented. I mean, obviously he can rugby kick with the best of them, and uh, that just brings a different element to that punting unit, makes us a little harder to game plan, allows us to do a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for Cerny. What about st special teams in general, starters on special teams? Have you seen kind of more of an emphasis of, like, frontline guys, like, even like yourself or Deontay, like bigger-name guys playing on some of these coverage units this year? Yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna be on some special teams. Deontay and Markell are doing a great job. They're on, I think, all of them, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I'm I'm right now competing for a one spot on punt, and and I mean the other guys stepping up at other positions. So we're definitely we definitely need our playmakers all over teams. 
And in the past, I mean, was it not like that just because you were so thin maybe as a team they couldn't afford those situations as much to maybe risk a guy because if one of those frontline names goes down, I mean, it was quite a drop-off. But I feel like now this roster is built a little bit differently. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, like, those second those second string guys like are as talented as they've ever been. So their contribution on special teams will be that much greater. We just have a lot of talent flying around. Well, you're listening here to the beat with Sean Callahan here and Jojo Doman. We've got a fun show lined up, Jojo. We're going to take questions later in the show in the mailbag, but Adrian Martinez is going to join us up here in studio. And and that's going to be pretty fun to have Adrian up here um, with a chance for you and him to go at each other for three segments. That's right. I'm excited for it. Well, you're listening here to The Beat, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, your locally owned and operated insurance agency servicing the heartland of Nebraska from Binkelman and Omaha to everywhere in between. Adrian Martinez in studio next. You're listening here to The Beat. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to The Beat with Jojo Dolman. Brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome back here to The Beat. Sean Callahan, Nebraska linebacker, JoJo Doman, as you heard, our title sponsor of the show, Edgewater Insurance in Real Estate, locally owned and operated, serving the heartland of Nebraska from Binkelman to Omaha and everywhere in between. And now this segment of the show brought to you by a close friend of Edgewater's, S&W Fence, voted best of Omaha for the last four to five years. When you're thinking fence, check out S&W Fence, they are your best defense in the game, as uh, you'll want to check out these proud sponsors of the beat. But, JoJo, uh, we tease this. Joined in studio now by Nebraska starting quarterback Adrian Martinez. And I want to get right to it, break the ice here a little bit. You know, Scott Frost took the job at Nebraska, Adrian. Then he made his next phone call, and it was to you. Um, and you were kind of in, in flux. You were originally Cal commit. They lost their coach. You were a Tennessee commit. They lost their coach. And it all just kind of fell into place where Scott Frost made his next phone call to you, and here you are now uh, with the chance to be a, a four-year starting quarterback at Nebraska. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Um, the stars sort of aligned for it to come into place, and um, what a time to be alive. I mean, shoot, watching the American Conference Championship game, seeing UCF win a couple hours later type of thing, you know, um, started getting recruited to Nebraska, and it was awesome. Uh, I loved every every second of it, and I'm, I'm thankful that it ended up the way it did. No doubt. We got 2 a.m. in the building. It is my pleasure to have you here, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know you know, I'd do anything for you, so happy to be here. Let's win some games together this year, yeah? Hey, that's the plan. That's the plan. Dude, 2021, this is our last ride together, you, me, um, and the 2016 class, and some even 2017 guys. Like This is our last ride together. What what's different? What's different this year for the 2021 Huskers um, from your point of view? Yeah, well, I know we've talked about it at length um, and making sure that it stays the way that it is. Um, but there's a there's a different feel on our team, a different vibe, and I feel like um, all the work that we've been putting in in the spring and the summer. And yeah, that sounds cliche, and yeah, it sounds kind of um, the norm, I guess. Um, but there's a different feel and I think a different leadership level on this team and, and a player accountability level. No doubt. I know you and I feel the same about this. We're tired about talk we're tired of talking about it. Yeah, I mean there's gotta be action behind it. And I know fans are tired of hearing about it. Media, coaches, players, we're all tired of it. There needs to be action behind it and there's nothing we can do except continue to work day by day until that first game comes where we can actually prove it. Right. Well, as of now, we're just gonna we're gonna continue to talk about it because that's all we can do. Speak <laughs> exactly. Speak it into existence. Mm-hmm. Now, for you in particular, going into this this year for you, where do you feel like you are compared to where you've been, um, even from last season uh, going into this fall? How do how do you feel? What's different for you, personally? Yeah. Well, I would say this camp's been a lot different for me. I think last year had its own crazy struggles with covid and the uncertainty of of everything 
um, that was difficult to handle, I think, for everybody. And this year there's a sense of normalcy in our first games in August, not in October or whatever the heck it was. Um, and for me personally, I just I've been putting in a ton of work, you know, putting in a ton of work, and I feel like I'm at the top of my game. And that's not an overstatement. I, I genuinely feel that. Um, now it's just continuing to, to raise that bar for myself and that standard and playing confident, playing free, and, and enjoying it. I think that might be one of the bigger differences is that I'm just having a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, talking about the top of your game, what are those things? Uh, what, what are you doing different? What are you attacking um, to, to raise to that level of play? Yeah, it's, it's more like honing in on uh, certain elements, and, and that's just being disciplined and continuing to grow as a person and as a leader, and I think grabbing energy from others, you know what I mean, and, and kind of feeding into each other, and it, it only raises everyone up. So, it, yes, I put in a ton of work to up my skill level. Um, I've obviously, I know it's been kind of a bigger storyline this offseason, how much I've, I've leaned down. Um, I feel faster. Um, all that stuff kind of adds up to this new level that I'm that I'm reaching for, and um, it's different for me, you know, different and, and exciting. Yeah, talking about that confidence. I mean, I know for me, I know for me, I'm confident in myself, but I feed off of other people's confidence in me. How much has that played a role to to have that stability and to have people believing in you um, through your trials mm. and tribulations here? Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, that's that's deep right there in itself. Um, raising my level, I think, kind of boosted others' confidence in me as well. And like you said, it just it's kind of like a circle, you know. It feeds into each other, and those receivers, there's a real level of trust. The skill players, offensive line, we've been through some stuff together, put in the work together, and not in a phony way, but in a a genuine way, and raising our standard, and, and then going out there and proving it in practice, in games, in scrimmages, whatever, that just continues to add another level. And that's, you know, it's, it's a process. We're not, it's not completed yet, you know. Yeah. Speaking from the other side of the ball, I can see that in those guys. I see Cam Jurgens and how much pride he has in keeping you up. Mm. I, see, I see those tight ends laying out for balls, boxing out uh, defenders and making those plays to, to help our offense be successful. Um, wh how, wh what does success on the offensive side of the ball look like this year, and, and how are we going to put points up on the board? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it comes down to belief, knowing what we can be as a unit, and execution. Um, we have the talent in the room to make plays, to put up points. Now it's executing it, believing it, and means no dumb penalties, no shooting ourselves in the foot, um, which we've – that's been kind of our, our thing the last couple of years. And, For real. and we just can't have it anymore. And, I, and I've been suspect number one. So it starts with me, but it's a, it's a unit thing. And that comes with the accountability, the stuff we've been doing in the spring and the summer, um, some of those extra steps. And we do that. We don't shoot ourselves in the foot. We play to our capability um, and nothing below our level. We, we will put up points. We will be uh, a top-tier offense. I couldn't agree more with that. I think for, for a team to really grow and to take that next step as a unit, um, even when you face losses, when you face these losing seasons, you got to take a hard look in the mirror and see where have I uh, come up short? Where can I be better? Because I'm suspect number two right here <laughs> about how – I mean, Purdue game, I, I was supposed to have the edge. They run a reverse last play of the game two years ago, and they walk in the end zone. And that just ate me apart. Yeah. So I'm there with you. And I think that I think that's something that we've done as a unit is we've all humbled ourselves and been like, okay, I'm going to set my pride aside. We're not where we want to be. We're not who we're supposed to be yet, but we're going to do everything in our power to become that and to do the, the little things to build upon that to reach our, our highest potential. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and also in that Purdue game, I, I threw a pick in the red zone. So don't right. <laughs> don't beat yourself right. up too much. <laughs> but th but that's how it goes, right? You yeah. know so many missed opportunities over the years and a lot of it's been because we've been shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. And it comes down to accountability and we gotta get this fixed. Yep. Gotta stay disciplined, focused, execute, 
and believe in ourselves to get it done. And you put those things together, I think that's when you, you get the product we're, we're striving for. No doubt. Is there a moment you'd like to have back? Like if there's one like mistake that you guys made on the field, is there one you're like, man, if we just could have had that one back, so much might be different? Like like one play, one moment. Just in my entire career? Yeah. Mm. Mm. I know one that sticks out to me was at Ohio State when you threw a perfect ball. Um, J.D. Work. Spielman up the seam. And if he catches that ball, you beat Urban Meyer in the horseshoe on national yeah, TV. Yeah, and we, and we had a huge uh, – I mean, that team was playing really well down the stretch, um, playing United. The, the leaders took over. It was – that was a much better team than how we started. I would, I would even go as far to argue as, um, you know, and, and no disrespect to Stanley Morgan or, or J.D. Spielman, but – I threw a ball in the end zone to Stanley Morgan that he dropped at the end of the game that would have put us up by two touchdowns. And I think we would have won that game. And winning our first game might have set a different type of momentum. Talk about Colorado. The, my freshman year. Yeah. Freshman year, Colorado. Yeah. Mm. Winning that game might have set a different momentum tone for that year. Um, but, I mean, there are uh, more than a handful of moments, honestly, that I wish I could have back. Little moments, little decisions, you know. Mostly involving turnovers. <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't uh, agree more. Like Iowa last year, you know, the, the strip sack to end the game. I wish I could have evaded that, you know. A couple decisions um, that I think would, would have been game changers. The Ohio State game, the first game we played, um, the fumble I had that they returned for a touchdown was the nail in the coffin, you know. Yeah. So there, there have been too many moments um, like that over the last couple of years that I wish I could have had back. I think I think as a unit and as a collective, as a coaching staff and across the board, we've we've messed up so many times. We've found a way to lose that we have no choice but to find those ways to win. We've already discovered all the way different ways to lose. Yeah, no shit. Are we allowed? To, are we allowed to uh, cuss on this podcast? I don't know. You're, you're good. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're not on any radio affiliates. So all right, right, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So we have definitely found plenty of ways to lose, and I think we're ready to find ways to win. Huh? Amen, brother. Well, let's pick this back up, guys. Uh, once again, this segment of The Beat brought to you by S&W Fence. Voted best of Omaha for the last four to five years. S&W Fence is your best defense in the game. Make sure you check them out for all your residential fencing and contractor needs. More to come. You're listening here to The Beat with JoJo Doman. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome back here to the beat. Sean Callahan, Georgia Doman, Nebraska starting quarterback, Adrian Martinez, as you heard, Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, our proud title sponsor here of the show. But this segment of the show brought to you by one of our newest sponsors, Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill in both Lincoln and Omaha. I've been, to, been going to Tanner's for years. It's probably the best sports bar in Lincoln. Have you guys been to Tanner's at all? I have not. You got to get in there, try the wings. It's a great place to watch games, uh, NFL Sundays. Mm, I well, believe it. But Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, proud sponsor here of The Beat. We're back in it with Adrian Martinez and going to hit on more uh, of kind of his backstory growing up, growing up in Fresno, California. Take it away, JoJo. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting across a grown man at grown 2 a.m. right now. Uh, <laughs> facial hair, mature, has grown up a lot. Um, Hopefully the facial hair is still coming in. You know, I hope I'm not done there. It's, right. It's not near complete. But I guess I just wanted to, I wanted to tap into Adrian growing up. And, and what you were like um what did your what did your family members uh, say about you what sports did you grow up playing and all that kind of stuff yeah um <laughs> what's funny is my parents weren't super big into sports and from what i know i just gravitated towards it mm. my dad used to i had a ton of energy wanted to play all the time he used to take me to like some big open field and just throw a football out there and i would just play for hours just something to do I loved it I mean growing up I played everything I could I competed in 
swim meets. I played. Ten- I took tennis lessons. I I did golf lessons. I did travel basketball. I travel baseball. Uh, obviously, I played football. I started tackle football when I was seven. Oh wow! Um, so sports has always been a part of my life. Yeah, I feel that. Um, as you can suspect. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've heard a little bit about your story, so I kind of know. Now, have you always been a quarterback? Uh, my first year, I was a tight end. Okay. Because I was kind of tall. Yeah. And when I turned eight, I played quarterback. Yeah. And a little running back action, naturally. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Now, did you hoop at all? Oh, yeah. I was a big hooper. So I thought that was the path I wanted to take. Okay. Um, I wasn't really sure. Like, I... I I just love playing, love competing, and I had the I was kind of a standout early on, and our high school basketball team was really good, like always top twenty five in the state, which in California is pretty good, you know. Yeah. Um, my freshman year, they they're like, "You're gonna make varsity," and I was psyched. We had a great team, and we went to Florida. Um, actually, went to UCF and played in like their team camp, played against a bunch of crazy teams, and. We get to the semifinals of like the highest division and the winner plays grace and allen's high school team okay and we lost but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to play grace and allen but in warm-ups they were doing windmills and all types of crazy stuff Man. um but i love basketball i thought that's the direction i was going to go i was early on getting some interest from like santa clara and san jose state and then football took off for me and, I, and yeah I was like, this is, I, I want to play quarterback. This is what I want to do. You know, a 6'2 point guard's got to be pretty elite to, to get to the next level. No so doubt. I don't, I didn't think I was there. Yeah. We touched on basketball earlier in the show and how I don't play anymore. Uh, because yeah, no, yeah, don't please don't. Cause you know, because of, you know, you <laughs> yeah, know. definitely. But, I mean, I, I do love basketball, just the free flow of the handles and just being able to, you know, beat somebody to the hoop. Yeah. It, it was fun. I, I, I had the. I was fortunate enough in high school to play for two really great coaches. The first one was Tom Orlich, who's now an assistant with Stanford. And then the second uh, was Vance Wahlberg, who was um, George Carl. I think that's his name. He he coached the Nuggets and the Kings and stuff. He was George Carl's like longtime assistant. Okay. And he, came, he started his career at Clovis West, my high school. Went on to coach uh, at a junior college, then like Pepperdine, and then went up to the NBA ranks. Did it for 20 years. Was like Eric Spolstra's like personal assistant and starting his offense. Came to Clovis West again to like pretty much retire, become an associate AD, and he just pushed us. Yeah. Oh my! I, I mean, he just came from a different place, you know. Yeah. Different mentality, and I and I loved it. I was all running, just run and go, run and shoot, you know. Yeah. But it kind of put me in that point guard mentality, and I and I love that. So. Huge into basketball. I haven't gotten a chance to play as much. When I first got here, I used to play at the rec, but you know, not anymore. Probably not advised. Yeah, they shut that. Down yeah, they quick. they definitely don't want that happening with their guys. <laughs> I can only yeah. imagine Jared's conversation about that to you guys, if, if unless Coach Frost said that. But I can only imagine those oh, conversations. Yeah. I mean, it's encouraged to compete, yeah. but if you not recommended, if you get hurt doing something like that, it's like come on. Then you're stupid. You yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, I learned some of the most. Um, fundamental attributes of being a teammate and, and what competing was like and what it was supposed to look like growing up with all my youth coaches. Mm. Just to tap back into some of those elite basketball coaches you said that you were uh, blessed enough to be coached by, Like, is there anything that you still uh, got from them that you can still apply to being on a team or competing today? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think they they played a really strong part in setting the foundation, you know, and What's funny, what I can remember right now, uh, we had this, you know, this youth camp. It was called the Little Hoopsters. Hoopsters. And I grew up playing in it and idolizing the high school players because the high school players were coaching, the, like, the event, the camp. Yeah. And thinking of them as, like, superhuman, superhuman, you know. And then I get to that point, and it was just a, a weird moment for me. Like, these little kids really look up to me. And I think at that moment it helped me kind of realize – my influence and even though it was in high school and just seeing the power of, of sports, you know, what it can play, what being a strong role model can do for a young kid. Yeah. Because I had some great ones. 
you know, and that really motivated me and really inspired me to be everything that I could be. I was lucky enough to witness a, a great basketball program, uh, be a part of a great high school and, and be in that foundation where competitiveness was, you know, pushed for, Yeah, was, you know, like stamped, uh, stamped approval, you know, and, um, some great people to look up to. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. I always find it interesting because I mean, I was the same way. Like I looked up to those guys in, in middle mm. school and elementary school as heroes. Yeah. hundred percent. And then we became those guys. Definitely. We became our version of those guys. Yeah. And just as like the sport changes, so does every player that comes through the sport changes. And mm. I would argue that we changed the sport and, and the sport transforms with the players in it. So it's just, just a thought. Like that's, some, that's some deep Jojo thought right there. Right? If I've ever heard it, I love it. <laughs> no doubt though, you know, no doubt. And, and it's, it's another powerful thing about sports, you know, and, yep. and you grow within it and it helps you grow and it teaches you life lessons. And it's kind of up to you whether you apply it outside of sports, yep. but how to work in a team, how to be a leader, how to be unselfish to continue this this growth there's there is something that we I wanted to touch on you particular faced a uh, a certain adversity growing up that a lot of people can't relate to and the the man that you've become from it is astounding and I would I would just love to know how how you overcame that adversity um, with losing your mom and how that shaped you as a man to who you are sitting right here right now. Yeah, well, it definitely forever changed my life. Um, I was lucky enough to have a great support system. My dad showed me what hard work, what unselfishness, what sacrifice is. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a shock when it happened. It happened fast, and I didn't know how to process it. And all I knew was keep chugging along and eventually that caught up with me and I got a chance to process it. And I, I think even now it's still something I, I deal with and and have my own way of processing. Um, but I think you are wrong in one instance in that I think more people than you would know do relate to that and have Mm. been thankful to be introduced to many who've had their own different adversities, different obstacles they've faced with parents passing maybe it's their uncle or cousin or something else and um, a tragedy in their life and I've been an inspiration to them and how I've handled it and that gives me fuel to keep going to keep pushing and hopefully keep inspiring and do it for my mom I'm she was a a wonderful woman uh U.S. assistant district attorney um absolute stud smart everything you could ask for in a mom super loving and all I ever wanted to do was make her proud, make my dad proud, make my family proud. And my dad kept me going. He never stopped, he never stopped working um, and and supported us and never turned his back on me. And that's all I could ask for, a, a hell of a support system, friends, family, people stepping out. I mean, a, a wonderful community of people and, and that's what life's about. Yeah. I do stand corrected and I've, I feel her <laughs> and, spirit. And, and no, yeah, right now. I appreciate that. And I didn't mean that in any disrespectful yeah, way, right. but you know what I mean? Yeah. Is there a, to just build on that, is there a specific moment? Is it on the football field? Is it in your quiet time where you feel her presence? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I have a, a story, you know, I haven't told many people, but I'll tell you in this audience. Um, there was a moment when I was playing when I was young and it was around, I wasn't, I I knew she was in the hospital and it was, it was really, um, really kind of a, a quick thing. Like I said, a quick turnaround, it came pretty abruptly and I didn't know she had passed away yet, but right at halftime, my coach called a flea flicker and hand off the ball, toss it back, and my receiver's way downfield, way downfield. And I'm like eight years old, you know, I don't have the arm strength. Right. And I just crow hop and throw it with everything I have in me. And that ball, I swear, was getting carried. I just saw it getting carried and carried and carried 
to the receiver. Wow. Touchdown before half. I get home and find out the news that my mom had passed away. And I swear to this day, she's the one that carried that ball. I got goosebumps right now. Wow. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a special moment to me. I got goosebumps too. And I don't tell that story very often, but Jojo, <laughs> you inspire me <laughs> to share. I love you, bro. And um, man, she's still with me to this day, obviously. Man. Well, well, guys, that was some great stuff. We got one more block left. Let's let's come back here and, and pick things up. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman and Adrian Martinez. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome back here to The Beat. Sean Callahan, JoJo Doman, Nebraska starting quarterback Adrian Martinez here, wrapping things up as. You heard our title sponsor of the show, Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, your locally owned and operated insurance agency serving the heartland of Nebraska from Binkelman to Omaha and everywhere in between. By the way, Phelan Sanford from Binkelman, Nebraska. Oh, there you go. Shout out. So shout out to (laughs) Phelan Sanford in the Edgewater spot. But let's pick things back up here, JoJo, with Adrian. Man, let's pick up where we left off. My adrenaline is pumping right now. (laughs) I got you juiced, huh? Right. And and just like before a game, man, our adrenaline's pumping. Mm. And... We're going and playing in front of millions on TV, tens of thousands in the stands, and we're just 19 to 23, 24-year-old kids. Um, for you personally, how, how do you handle those nerves? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think if anyone tells you they're not feeling butterflies or whatever, they're, they're lying no matter who it is, no Definitely. matter how many times you've been there. Um, if you truly care about it and you're excited, you have those feelings. Um, I like to look at it in a way of being like anxious. Like I'm, I'm ready to get out there. I'm not nervous. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm prepared. I know what I'm going to be doing. It's, it's a excitement. Yeah. I, I try and reframe it in a way that's, that's not like I'm oh, like leaving it up to luck. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. No, I, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go out there and perform and do everything I can to win this football game. No doubt. Now, Take me through how your game day routine builds from when your head lifts off the pillow in the hotel room till you're strapped up in the locker room about to run out. Like, what's that process look like and what does that process feel like for you? Yeah, well, it, a lot of it involves kind of repetition. Um, early in the morning, a lot of it, as you know, is, is like pregame prep stuff where we're going over game plans um, and all that's just an extra layer of preparation, making sure I know everything inside and out. Um, going over every last sort of detail. Yep. And then as we're boarding the bus, it's now like, okay, that, that phase is done. The preparation's been put into place. It's all about honing in, focusing in, and kind of quieting the mind as much as I can. Uh, that usually involves listening to music. I got my um, pregame playlist. Um, and once you get to the stadium, it's, it's stretching, uh, lower body, upper body, Making sure I'm hydrated, that's a huge thing, so I can stay focused, don't have to worry about any body cramps. Um, And then preparing every last detail when it comes to what I'm wearing. And I'm not a big swag guy, I don't have crazy stuff on, but um, making sure that stuff's fitted and is right is important to me. Yeah, are you superstitious? I'm not, I I don't like being superstitious because I feel like I have to rely on that then, you know? I know baseball is a big superstition type sport. Uh, there's some guys who are like that in football as well. But for me, I try and avoid anything that would be tied to that. Yeah, I agree with that. I was superstitious growing up. Like I had to have the swag on. I had to have the specific gloves, um, everything looking the same. But I definitely grew out of that probably once I got to college. Hmm. Um, just because I didn't want to rely on that, man. I got I got other things I got to worry about. Then. Yeah, 100%. Then like... <laughs> Oh, I have to be wearing this glove, you right. know, <laughs> these socks. Yeah, I lose the glove and I can't play anymore. You know, like this isn't uh, whatever that movie is with uh, Bow Wow. Well, have you seen that thing where he's got the shoes on? It turns him into like 
a super basketball player. You ever seen that movie? No, I, I'm thinking like Mike right now. It is like Mike. It's like Mike. Okay. It's like Mike. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. Um, okay. So you have all this adrenaline pumping. You chant, you're channeling all your energy um, for the field. And then, boom, we're on the field. Bullets are flying. Things are going your way. Things aren't going your way. How do you handle that adrenaline? How do you handle everything going on in that moment from series to series? You just throw a pick or you just mm. fumbled. You guys didn't score in the red zone. However it is, you just score a touchdown. How do you reset in between drives? Yeah, well, it's it's just that. And I think resetting is important and also staying present, yeah. as present as possible. And I think that's something I really learned to hone on this past season was being present in the moment, present with my teammates. That same energy we feed off of in practice, you have to feed off of in games. You have to give it to other people and receive it and be engaged and not just, especially in my position, not just be dialed in on myself as an individual, but what we're doing as a collective. Yeah. Um, and when you're so engrossed in that, all that other stuff, the outside noise, whatever, it's it's nothing. You're, you're focused on the team, what we need to do to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Yeah, I could not agree more with the fully present and how last year, for me, it was the exact same. Without the fans and the stands and without all this external noise, we were three and a half hours out on the field, just us. Yeah. And I think that really kind of set the environment for me to tap into that, that presence of mind of, of resetting and honestly just breathing on the sideline letting go of anything that came before this, anything that's going to come after this, and just can I just play this next play and Definitely. get off the field. So yeah, 100%. I feel that. Um, the next thing I wanted to go into was your highlight. Um, what's, what's one of like the best moments you've had on the field and off the field being a Nebraska Cornhusker in your college experience here? Hmm. Well, I would say my favorite i have two favorite-ish moments yeah um one being that win against michigan state there's actually a, pi a picture back here of divine zigbo you know yeah the goat love him to this day um winning nine to six it wasn't a glorious win it was colder than cold out there um i remember the first play we try and throw a, a screen out to the left and it just gets obliterated by the wind, you yeah. know? And, and I, I look over the sideline, like, are we throwing the ball this game? <laughs> you know, right against, uh, at the time, I think they were, they were a top 25 defense and the number one rush defense in the country. Yep. And all we could do was run the ball and we found a way to win. I love that. Nine to six. Yeah. We found a way and it was awesome. Post game, um, in the moment, just a gritty, gritty win. I have to add, that was the first game Nebraska and Michigan State have faced off since the passing of Sam Fultz mm. and Mike Sadler, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're right, yeah. I mean, they, they hadn't played before that. Right, and and the only scores in the game were field goals. Yeah, special, special team plays. Teams. Yeah. Who was the linebacker hybrid guy? He had a huge game. Antonio Reed? Antonio Reed. I mean, that was like – Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he had like the game of his life against Michigan State. He did have the game of his life. A hundred percent. I was good boy. I am good boys with Rocky Lombardi, um, the now Northern Iowa. Northern, oh, Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois quarterback. Okay. Yeah. So I remember tackling him one play. He had a QB scramble and like our face masks are touching and I'm like looking at him all bug eyed like, what's up, buddy? <laughs> Helping him up, trying to go smack him, pick him off the next play. But naturally, it's funny. Stuff. I, I think you look back at the stats of that game and they might have thrown the ball like 40 times yeah. somehow. I don't even know how that makes sense. We threw it a ton too. Yeah. But I just don't. It didn't seem that way. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say the second thing, the second big one, I, I, the Purdue game last year was big for me. Yes. Um, the Purdue game my sophomore year was the ultimate low of lows and sort of redemption in my eyes, that game and, and everything that I'd been through personally and, and obviously as a team, that win was, was huge. A, a big team win. Um, made some plays and, and played my heart out and, and got the job done. Yeah, man, I feel that. that we, we wanted Purdue bad last year. We talked about that Purdue game in 19 before Adrian got up here, how like that was a low moment. Just because yes. if you win that game, which 
you know, Purdue was down to like their third quarterback and yeah, and and there was it was just a bad all around game. Did not play well. You guys go to a bowl. Yeah, I mean, it would have taken you to a bowl at that point, and I mean that would have been maybe a big moment. And yep, Rutger Rutger's second half because the way you guys came out of that home, I mean, that first half obviously was a low point, and then yeah. the second half was like the best half you guys played all year. Mm. Yeah, and we that Rutgers game, I I never felt out of it. I don't I don't think the defense did either. They were playing lights out. Um, we knew what we needed to do. I, I we just need to stop getting our own way, and personally, I need to stop turning over the ball. Yeah. And uh, I never had a doubt we were going to win that game, and we found a way to do it. But it was a rough first half. It definitely was. Still, the strangest road game I've been a part of it in my twenty years around Nebraska. Friday night, like on December eighteenth, <laughs> you guys had to travel all the way to New Jersey. Yeah. And then and it no, was a night game. No parents could go. Brutal. There was like four media people we were allowed to go, and all the parents weren't able to go, and it was just like, wow, this doesn't even feel right. No, no, not at all. We definitely rallied around one each other that game. Yeah, we did, and we battled our asses off. Yeah. We, we really did, and I mean, I know we've gone over it, but statistics on teams that win games that turn over the ball four times, they lose a turnover battle. Um, and have a kickoff returned. Kickoff return for the a fake, touchdown, fake a punt. fake punt, and um, something else. I mean, no teams win those games. No teams. And by win the way, games. we don't. Yeah. See, Nebraska doesn't see Aaron Crookshanks this year. The oh, kick, is that the kick, kick returner? returner that played? For, <laughs> we we won him though. He played for <laughs> Wisconsin. He played for. I don't think you guys will see him on the schedule unless, <laughs> unless it's an indie. Yeah, yeah. He, is he still in Rutgers? Yeah, I believe he's Noah Vedrill's guy. Okay. Yeah. Fast, he's fast. How about good player? No, how about Noah? By the way, I mean, he's really oh, kind of carved a role. I mean, that that was a tough deal because he was. You guys were tight. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I never doubted that. He, I always knew he had the ability to be a a solid QB and get to that next level. Guys always loved him. Um, great leadership. Um, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy he found a spot and a, a spot that seems like they're on the rise. You know, and Greg Schiano, the head coach. They all seem like they're doing really good things over there. I know they have a, a one a top recruiting class or something like that. Seems like they're going in the right direction. And Noah, the the swaggiest of swagmans, for real, doing good. Man, I could not be more appreciative, bro, of of you being here right now, man. And the growth that I've seen in you since we've been together, bro, is unprecedented. Hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, and and I I'm taking a page out of your book, but that growth wouldn't be possible without all of the trials and tribulations and the struggles right. that have happened. If everything was sunshine and rainbows, which I wish that it were, um, but I don't because I wouldn't be the person that I am now. Yep. You know, Our scars make us stronger, baby. No question. Well, yes, sir. Adrian, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for coming up here. And um, yeah. JoJo, you got mailbag questions next. We got we got a bunch of questions for you, JoJo, in the mailbag. Let's get after <laughs> it. So we'll close the show with questions in the mailbag for JoJo. You're listening here to The Beat. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman. Brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome back here to The Beat. Final segment of the show. Sean Callahan, JoJo Doman as this segment of The Beat. Brought to you by one of our newer sponsors here at the program now. JoJo, Gary Michaels Clothing on 56 and Pine Lake. And they're going to hook you up, man. You're going to go out there and get fitted out for the season. Suit, tie, shirts, everything. And I know they're looking forward to seeing you out there at Gary Michaels in, in, in one of their suits. That's huge, man. I've never had a fitted suit, a tailored suit before, so I'll, I'm looking forward to it. When's, I mean, I was talking to your family. Like, When's the last time you've actually worn a suit? I mean, because you don't have to wear them when you travel as a team. Yo, I for real cannot remember. Prom? Maybe. Or was it like a Colorado casual prom? When you, when yeah, you, probably 2016 when I went to prom. Real stuff. All right, well, we got a mailbag here, JoJo. Um, number of questions here. First one's kind of a random one. 
do you play any basketball, pickup basketball at all anymore? Or during the there's obviously a backstory with you playing pickup basketball. Yeah, anybody who knows me knows that I've learned my lesson from playing basketball while still playing football. I tore my second ACL seven months after the first one from playing basketball at the rec with Johnny and Patrick O'Brien. Um, so yeah, I kind of scarred from that situation and. Short answer, no. You played high school basketball? I did. What was your highest points in a game? I think 20-something. I played the five. We had you played the five? Our tallest guy was 6'4", and he was scrawny and soft as, as all get out. So I was like a 6'1", you know, limber dude. I remember guarding a 6'10 guy from Thunder Ridge. Um, yeah, it was ridiculous. Could you dunk back in the day? No, no. I mean, can you? You can get up and get the rim now, probably, right? For sure, I can dunk like when I'm like the only dude in the gym and I've been warmed up. But I'm I'm just right there. Like I'm literally an inch or two away. All right. Next question here in the mailbag. You're in a back alley. Someone pops off. Who's the one teammate you want next to you in a fight? It can't be Damian Jackson. He's like not even fair to use in these situations. Wow. I mean, a couple guys come to mind. Um, Jurgens would be a really nice one. Ty Robinson would be would be nice on top of Markel Dismuke and basically the whole DB room just because their willingness to scrap, I think. Who's like the dirt who's like the dirtiest fighter? Like if you know who strikes me Simon Odie strikes me as a guy like Odie? Like he would do what it would take just when you see him with his hair and like that guy would go the extra inch. Odie Odie couldn't hurt a fly, but if if it came down to it, yeah, I could I'd definitely rock with Odie. We got to, we'll have him up here for a show here this season. No doubt. All right. Hardest guy on the offense to tackle? Yeah, probably Vokalek just because he's 260 and huge. Those scouts, we were at practice Wednesday, and there were four NFL scouts just like camped on those tight ends. Yeah, I would be too. They're, they're going to be good. Yeah, the, that's a real strength on this team. All right. Who showed out the most in the scrimmage, offense, defense? Yeah, offense, it was, I mean, 2 a.m. bald and, and also Gabe bald, so no surprises there. And then Phelan Sanford bald out. He had an interception, a fumble return for a touchdown, and a sack all in the scrimmage. It was He was playing on another level. And he's from Binkelman, which, by the way, Edgewater, one of our, our title sponsor here, they have a branch in Binkelman. So um, Binkelman is very proud of Phelan Sanford, and he, and he might be a special teams guy this year. I mean, he, you got to think with the numbers, his his testing numbers were nuts. He's absolutely going to contribute on special teams. Like we need those type of guys on special teams. And he's, I mean, he's like straight up rancher. I mean, I saw his video he posted. I mean, he was like him. He was tackling cows and doing everything on the ranch. Oh yeah. All right, we're taking your questions here in the mailbag. Best player you've ever faced at Nebraska. And you've been here six years. I mean, you, I was, I'm trying to think some of the good ones you saw. Um, Derek Barnett, Justin Alvin, Fields. Alvin Kamara was on that team. Alvin Kamara. I mean, like you've got a little bit of a list to, to think about here on that question. Fields, Haskin, Dobbins. Honestly, probably, I mean, Dobbins hurt to tackle straight up. That team, I'm trying to remember, when they came in when college game day was here, that O-line from Ohio State – First of all, that team, I think, could have won the national championship, right? I mean, yeah. they just got a bad draw on the playoff with Clemson. Um, in the right. play, but that was a loaded Ohio State team. Yeah, man, O-line, Ohio State's O-line is for real insane. There was that clip where Mo, Mo Berry just got thrown by that center. I mean, that, guy, that was a legit front. I, Justin Fields, though, for quarterbacks, would he be the best quarterback you've seen in person? Yes. Who would be next? Haskins. Haskins. So... <laughs> That I've played against here, right? Right, and both yeah. obviously top five, top ten NFL-level draft picks. Has Coach Frost ever lifted with you guys? You know, he does, actually. He comes down and pumps on the iron. I don't know. He, uh, he'll sometimes challenge guys to, let, you know, power clean with him and stuff, so it's fun. Do you go at him? You know, he hasn't challenged me yet. I don't know if he if he's intimidated by the weight I'm throwing around or what, but, yeah, he hasn't he challenged me yet. I mean, the dude's, like, in his mid-40s. Yeah. Like, how many mid-40 guys do you see down there? Exactly, zero. And the fact that he, he comes down with us, I mean, it's a good time. Has Shins ever thrown up a bar down there? No, Shins uh, sticks to the machine circuit. 
he's on, he's on the old, I'm on the old man path now too. You're not That's trying right. to do weight anymore. You're just trying to live for fitness. Exactly. You get yourself hurt. Yeah. You get hurt when you're old. No one's impressed. Let me tell you, like your wife's just mad at you. Like right. you're an idiot. Yeah. For trying to do a Okay. Funniest guys on the team right now. Funniest guys. Man. I mean, Levi Folk's a, a joke. Um, Caleb Tanner is ridiculous. Um, who else? I mean, I mean, Nick Henrich is one of the goofiest guys I've ever met. We have some great personalities. And you wouldn't see that. I'm like, I'm just like on the, the surface we see, like you wouldn't know Nick Henrich is funny. Right. But he, so he's got some, some personality. Yeah. Okay, best freshmen right now that have stood out, and we've talked about Gabe Urban, so let's leave him out of the conversation. Anyone else besides Gabe Urban really jump out to in that freshman class? Marquise Buford has come back from an ACL injury and is already practicing. So, I mean, for me in particular, that's stuck out to me. Um, yeah, I mean, we do have, we have a lot of talent, but I, I'm going to go with Marquise. What um what about Fedoni? He's got the ACL. I mean, when he was around, did you see the potential? And I mean, it seems like he's already chomping at the bit to get out there too. No, he is. That's a that's a dude that I've grown close with through his injury. Um, and I'm super excited for him. He might even contribute this year. Okay, which wide receiver would you put your money on getting the most receiving yards? My money's going on Samori. Safe bet. I mean, you look at his his accomplishments. I mean, he fifteen hundred yards his last year at Montana. Yeah, and they're going to find different ways to give him the ball. But he can take the top off too. That's the difference. I mean, we Nebraska's had receivers that could catch the ball, but the the yak wasn't there. Right. And you've got some yak on these guys now, right? No doubt. Oliver Martin, Oliver Omar, Levi, and even some young guys, Will Nixon, um, are all can all play. Best practice brawl you've ever seen. Literally last week, we had we were in a thud period, and a defender got upset because running back, you know, gave him an extra thud, you know, and it turned up into a sideline brawl where we ended up we had a camera guy in the middle of it, so we watched it in the team room and kind of just were was reminiscing on it, and we got to watch it in slow motion, like from the point of view. It was great. Are are you ever a practice fighter? I mean, like, is anybody? I mean, with your knees, if some scout team hero just decided to cut block your knees i mean what's your how do you react to that deal yeah i would i would give him a few choice words no doubt then you let coach dawson yell at him bro. right like yeah i definitely <laughs> pick my battles and when it comes to like team brawls like i'm trying to i'm honestly trying to separate them or i try to stay out of them um one or the other those scout team guys have a tough job though they have to get you ready they have to go hard but not too hard right i mean is there kind of like a scout team language they have to play at where you know you don't want to like overdo it but you don't want to underdo it yeah that's a tough line because obviously they they need to be balling as hard as they can to to give us a good look but also they need to be keeping us up and and playing safe and smart so that's a that's a fine line and i mean hat off to those guys for showing up every day without the praise without the approval and just you know working and sharpening us just because they love this team has there been a scout team guy that's just like, God dang, dude, slow, that this goes hard all the time, this gets under your skin, you're just like, God, this guy just goes so hard every play? Man, it, yeah, it used to be Mitch Ballinger. I mean, he's no longer with the team anymore, but this dude was crazy. <laughs> this dude was crazy. Just all with like Friday walkthrough, you're like, bro. Chill out, bro. <laughs> okay, then final question here. You got a couple former Huskers on volunteer roles on the staff, Jay Foreman, Jason Peter. What's it been like having those guys around? I mean, you've got, you know who those guys are, obviously. You've been around Nebraska long enough. Um, what's it been like having Jay and Jason around? Yeah, it's been it's been amazing to have those guys. I mean, for since last season, they, they've started to, like, implement their mentality um, in the guys in the locker room. So even for me, like, it, it helped me reassess, like, how I'm practicing how I'm leading, how I'm, you know, just executing in general and what and what their standard was versus where we are now and just creating some sort of, you know, mesh between those. And they also bring some intensity. Like, I ain't trying to let down Jay. I ain't trying to let down <laughs> Peters. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I see them when they're watching our periods and I, 
I definitely take note of that and be like, okay, I need to, I need to dig a little harder right now. Have you seen Jason go like crazy uncle on anyone yet? I've definitely seen him raise his voice. Uh, I don't know if he's gone, you know, back in the day crazy. He's, he's definitely mellowed out since then, but he's definitely not afraid to get in your face either. Our kids did, our girls did swim team together this summer. So we were at swim meets and he was, he was chill. Like, like we were right? just, swim meets are so laid back. I mean, it was fun to, to see him out and about just hanging out, watching the kids swim. All right. I got, I'm sorry. One more question that we want to get to in this mailbag. Um, what is the difference between Scott Frost year one versus Scott Frost year four? That's a good question. Um, I think the biggest difference is it's more about football than it ever has. I mean, year one, coming off that UCF season and it being his homecoming and everybody, you know, um, kind of lifting him up and putting him on a pedestal and hyping this place um, to now where, you know, we, we, we haven't had the success we've been looking for, but we we have the guys in the locker room that we do need to be successful and he's had a couple recruiting classes come in and we still have some guys from the old staff that have been here and seen the transformation of this program and and everybody's willingness to to sacrifice and to to for the good of the team and to win is at an all-time high in my opinion so it's just more about football well, another week closer, JoJo, here to that season opener. And show two has been a lot of fun. Looking forward to see what you guys bring for show three. Yes, sir, Sean. Thank you, man. All right. This segment brought to you once again by Gary Michaels Clothing on 56th and Pine Lake Road. Thanks for listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, powered by Husker Online. Join us for another show next week, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate.